and welcome to this new episode of So Tell Me, a podcast where I talk to people about their education experiences, get opinions on higher education, and talk to people about what information they think the world should know more about. I'm your host, Kim Wardle. Let's get into the episode. Hello everyone, welcome back to a new episode of So Tell Me. I have another new guest. We've had some technical difficulties this week, so I'm even more excited to speak to them. So tell me, who are you and how do we know each other? My name is Anubha. I am a veterinary public health scientist in the government of India. Um, I'm, I'm a probationer right now. I've joined very recently in January 2020. And the person I'm talking to is a super smart very cheerful (laughs) student whom I met when we were in North Carolina State University. Mm -hmm. She came to pursue a part of her master's research and I was there as a Fulbright scholar. So yes, I'm I'm so, so glad that we met Kim and you're doing (laughs) this wonderful, wonderful job with these podcasts. Congratulations to you on that. Thank you. And I'm so happy for you, so proud of you. And I hope this reaches out to people who need to know more about university experience and experience of being an exchange student. Mm, Definitely, because you had a difficult time when you came over because did you have some visa problems when you started? Uh, As I was a Fulbright scholar, so Mm. visa wasn't a big issue for us because Fulbright actually... Uh, helps a lot in the visa process so I'd say that I have I have although I know people who have had visa issues but for me personally it went out uh, quite smoothly so I'd say but I I definitely had a few hiccups in adjusting with the new um, with the strange country with the language settling down getting an apartment yes those were the hiccups that I had Mm. so Tell me more about how you found out about Fulbright and things like that, because I've never heard of it. When I was uh, doing my, when I, when I joined my PhD, um, it was an Indian university and I enrolled in it. And uh, when I started working, I really had interest in working with this technique called whole genome sequencing. Uh, which was a bit out of reach for the lab in which I was working. Right. But when I when I read the research papers and when I when I saw that how much it can help in the kind of study that I want to do and how much it can aid in exploring the one health approach that I deal with, that I study, mm-hmm. I, I really had this urge to go to a lab which is doing it on a regular basis. So I started looking up for options, whether if I can somehow, you know, pursue a part of my research, which which involves technique. And I stumbled upon Fulbright Scholarship and I just looked through their website and I saw that some of my seniors have pursued it. I spoke to them and and they gave me a really good response. So that's how I got to know about Fulbright and I contacted them. I said that I'm very new to this exchange student program scholarship. Could Mm -hmm. you tell me more? they they were actually very helpful and they are very welcoming they want students to get the scholarship so they come forward they help you encourage you at every step of application process so yeah I mean it turned out to be a really good experience so you've 
just finished your PhD, obviously, and now you're in that working world. Do you mind talking a little bit about your like education journey and where you started and how you ended up where you are? Yes, um, I started off with the vet school. After my high school, I immediately joined this veterinary school. It was the first time I experienced getting out outside my hometown. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was it was a it was actually a very great journey because vet school was the place where I thought I found out that I'm actually good at studies. <laughs> when I was in school, I wasn't a great student. I was right. I would say average or below average, and you know I I never thought that I could actually go to a university. But when I enrolled uh, with vet school, I. I think maybe biology has always been a very fascinating subject to me and mm-hmm. vet school had a lot of biology. So um, I think I could do good at, uh, at that and I could discover that, okay, biology is something I really love and I would right. like to go ahead. So in my second year, um, we studied this subject called veterinary public health. And uh, this subject basically revolves around the One Health approach. So when I studied in detail about this concept that human health can be secured by securing the health of animals and the environment, I found it to be a very natural concept. And I feel that this branch of science also has an emotion of compassion associated with it, not not only for just our kind, but all kinds of life around us. So that was the moment I decided that this is the subject that I really want to study further. So... Uh, we have an entrance examination for a master's that is um, like the, if you want to study after vet school, there is a national competitive examination which you face. Uh, so I faced that and I enrolled in, a, I'd say, the best university that we have in India, um, where I um, got a master's degree in veterinary public health. For my thesis work, I, I worked on avian influenza. Mm. It was um, a very wholesome experience. I worked in a BSL-3 plus laboratory, which mm-hmm. um, which taught me um, a lot of uh, new things like biosafety and uh, working in a very um, sophisticated environment where you're dealing with a lot of pathogens which are fatal. Mm-hmm. So that was, that was something that encouraged me and motivated me to um, study further. And basically, it was the love of um, veterinary public health that I, I I wasn't scared of going ahead and getting myself enrolled in a PhD university. So yeah, that's pretty much when I, I decided to do a PhD. And the rest is the story that we discussed in the previous question, how I stumbled yeah. upon food pride and came <laughs> to US. <Yeah. laughs> and how we met. What a great meeting And how we met. <laughs> we shared an office um when you yeah we shared an office for almost the whole yes, year yes we did yeah we shared an office we shared a table I mean we, yeah. we sat next to each other practically so we did and we also worked on a project together which yes was that's a lot right. of fun whole genome sequencing I think I've talked about I don't know if I've talked about my pro- like the whole genome sequencing projects that I've done mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but um but yeah the same reason that you were there was kind of why I was there to like learn more about mm-hmm. sort of all the work that was being done um, at mm-hmm. Dr. Thacker's lab and yeah it was yeah. good it was it was a lot of fun um, I think my favorite was when we had to come up with that protocol that's right I was about to, to talk a little bit about that oh uh, uh, yes I mean I remember everything and <laughs> I think 
I think we've practically done everything together. Like we used mm. to culture the bacteria together. Uh, and I, I say, I, I think that you have really good basics. So I learned a lot of culturing technique from you and how you, <laughs> how you do the streaking. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. streak. Yeah. And how you handled the media. It was, I, I mean, you have like really good skills. So I, <laughs> I was very impressed. And I, that's, that's how I got to learn the basics of microbiology. And then we also did this project together where uh, there was this, this an open to public kind of seminar where mm. um, people visited us and we showed them the importance of public health and oh, we designed yeah. that model together. You remember? <laughs> I remember like the open day thing. Oh, yes. Yeah. Open day. <laughs> that was so good. Yeah, we did a lot of that stuff. <laughs> together yeah that's right and then we did the bioinformatics part mm-hmm. we we had our lectures together so i mean yeah we have had a lot of this this you know american <laughs> journey together yeah. So. yeah exactly so obviously your phd helped you get into this position that you're in now mm-hmm. do you think your phd was worth it overall were there any things I'm that you sure. kind of were like mm, could have done it a different way Oh, I would say that when I look, I mean, in retrospect, I would say 100%. Mm-hmm. Uh, PhD experience was definitely worth it. But uh, there have been days where, you know, there have been rough patches during mm-hmm. the... But in the end, I think it turned out to be a really good experience for me. Uh, yes, it did help me to get me where I am right now. So I'd say that... PhD definitely helped me to explore a certain area of the subject that I study thoroughly. And those were the days where, which helped me to develop a combination of skills, which, which can be called unique in way. For example, right. we have worked in the same lab. So I can give this example that we got to culture the bacteria, we extracted nucleic acid, we did whole genome sequencing, we analyzed the data. Mm-hmm. So because of the set of skills that we developed, we can uh, isolate the bacteria from the scratch, analyze its entire genome, see what it's capable of doing, if it's wow. zoonotic, if it's resistant to strong antibiotics. So personally, I found it very fascinating when I look at the big picture that what we got to learn from all those days. So I'd say, yeah, I mean, uh, that has definitely been a plus for me. Mm. And uh, overall, I would say that a PhD experience depends a lot upon the mentor that you are working with, the right. institute mandate, um, depending upon which we get to design a part of either a part or whole of the uh, our project, PhD project, mm. you know, and mistakes, troubleshoot, both fail and succeed. So, I mean, in short, I would say that PhD gave me a long run perspective on issues that we face on a day-to-day basis. So I'm mm. definitely not the same person anymore. <laughs> I think I've, yeah, I think I've got a better sense of being real now. I mean, not expecting too much, but also maintaining an optimistic approach. So I'd say, yeah, personally, it was definitely worth it for me. That's awesome. And what about, are, are there any negative aspects? Are there aspects that you think people should consider as negatives that they really need to, you know, be aware of before they start a PhD? Yes, I think there have been, um, yes, there have been negatives. Uh, I'd say it's really, really important to keep a check on your mental health while you're pursuing a PhD. 
um, like you're definitely going to miss out on a lot of things that your peers are doing like they can maybe they're having a good job a decent salary mm-hmm, many of yeah. them are getting promoted while you're still stuck with a scholarship you know right, right. and many of them might even be getting you know houses and getting like settling down having families so ultimately it boils down to one thing it's like asking yourself every day that why are you here and why are you doing it and not being afraid of stepping back if if you feel that this is not the right kind of place for you so i always gave myself the space that okay if i'm not comfortable i'm going to quit and i'm not going to be hard on myself um, and call myself myself a quitter right. so um, that is something i that was my safe spot i'm like okay if if it's getting very stressful for me i'm going to you know stop this and start doing something else so i'm i'm grateful and i feel blessed that that situation didn't come and i was able to finish a phd but yes there have been really really tough times i mean to mm. to begin with you just miss out on a good weather because you're stuck in the lab right. so th- these are very like small disappointments you face every day you your results don't turn up the way you imagined mm-hmm. and you begin with a lot of excitement lot of energy but when you start working you realize that whoa this is a lot of work and it's not turning out the way i thought it would but ultimately you know there are going to be some as- aspects that are going to surprise you in a very good way some are going to disappoint you some are going to be obvious so after all this mix and match ultimately there is a good picture that comes out in the end so um, i would say that um every day i i gave myself a chance to think that whether i'm having more good days or more bad days right and i i i thought that i'm having more good days yeah there are bad there are bad days in between where i'm disappointed with results or i'm having some issues with communicating with my peers and mentors mm-hmm. but uh, i i thought that okay these are solvable issues and i can move past them so yes a few negatives definitely mm-hmm. but overall a very positive experience i think that um being able to communicate with your advisors and your mm-hmm. peers and things like that is really important do you have any tips on like the best way to to sort of open a line of communication yeah i mean i the first step would be to always be prepared when it comes to talking to your advisor mm-hmm. because i felt that many a times when we had a meeting arranged with my advisor i i ran out of things to say or i had thought of them but i spoke got to mention them when i was with my advisor because right. usually the advisors and mentors are very busy and they take out a certain a chunk of um, their day for you so i would suggest that it's always best to have an ipad or whatever you use in your hand uh, list down all the points that you want to talk to with your mentor that you want to discuss mm-hmm. and never i would say that be open to criticism and um, i mean your, a lot of your plans could be naive or there could be you know they mm-hmm. could be unpolished so uh, i'd say that if, if if we stay open to criticism and accepting what um the other person has to say and then combining both our own uh, thoughts and the advice of the mentor we can come up with a good solution so yes i would definitely say that to be prepared mm-hmm. with peers i would say that have an open mind um because uh, 
i think when when we go to an educational hub people f- come from all over the world mm. and there could be you know certain differences in the way we talk to each other so i'd say give yourself um, a lot of time in the beginning to understand what the other person has to say yeah and try to like try to mention what you have to say as clearly as possible maybe you know write it down a bit before starting mm. initially i used to you know think on my way to the lab that <laughs> what am i going to say how how am i going to say it and then it came naturally uh, with time and always be open to discuss if there is something that's going on in your head you feel that you're not comfortable with mm. or you feel that you're causing any trouble um, to the other person because of something that you're doing just i mean just be very open and talk about it and ask the other person if you are causing any trouble uh, or if you are being troubled in a yeah. polite way so yeah that's what i would like to say yeah i would also add be persistent if you want to talk about something like mm-hmm. don't yeah. let you or the other person brush it under the rug like really encourage that conversation if especially That's with your advisors and stuff because if they are busy mm-hmm. but you are mm-hmm. concerned i would say mm-hmm. like you've got to, like i used to get really nervous trying to talk mm-hmm. to my advisors and i'd mm-hmm. be, i'd stand outside their office and i'd be like right next time I walk past, I'm going to walk in and say exactly what I need to say and ask my questions because I'd get so nervous and I'd forget all the things that I needed to say. So That's yeah, so true. be persistent. And like, if you see an opening, get in there and, and mm-hmm. ask your questions and, and, and say the things you need to say. But yeah, I, I completely agree That's with you. That's so true. Yeah. And, and I think nervousness can also be handled by writing. I, I mm. always preferred writing to my advisor i mean it gave me a lot of time to think and articulate my thoughts and write it down very clearly what yeah. i want to say and i think that really helped me because when i'm talking sometimes you know i'm not sure if the other person is understanding what i'm saying but when i'm writing it down it gives me a lot of time to reread it yeah. and to see if i am a like see it with the perspective of a third person if what if some someone else is reading this what i'm writing so yeah. i would suggest that yes if you come from a background where you have a different language it's it's mm. always great to write down what you want to say and communicate with emails i personally prefer that a lot i think emails are also good if you want to like remember what you talked about <laughs> Exactly. I mean, it comes with documentation also. So right. first is like you're able to communicate clearly. Second, you 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 can document what you, uh, what what kind of conversation happened yeah. between your mentors. So yeah, that's a great point as well. Mm-hmm. See, I've always, always, always seen how professional you are and like how well you handle situations and. I think definitely both of our placements were quite stressful in not mm-hmm. not all the time but there were mm-hmm. points where there was lots of pressure to do things um mm-hmm. and last time we spoke you mentioned that you felt like a kind of imposter syndrome um that's true and I wondered if you could talk a little bit about like where that's rooted in and how you try how you're trying to overcome that because I think everybody feels that way Oh, wow i wasn't ready for this question. sorry <laughs> I, I, no i mean uh, it's not that um it, you don't have to apologize i mean i think that um that's something i'm i'm very scared of facing mm. i've recently discovered that i have this issue i mean i always 
um, undervalue myself and mm-hmm. I think that uh, maybe you know um, did I do this right and what was the other person thinking mm-hmm. and these kind of questions keep popping in my head so I tried to read up about this and I stumbled upon this thing called imposter syndrome but um, I think the the positive side of having this is that you are always eager to learn I mean when you are undervaluing yourself it means that you are always ready to accept that okay I mean there there might be a lot of things that I don't know and so in a way I think I started taking it positively Mm. uh, that if I have this feeling that I may not be very good at this so I need to work harder so whenever I question myself and doubt myself that wherever I am do I deserve to be here so my mind tells me that maybe not so work harder so that's how I'm dealing with this right (laughs) now and yes I talk to um, talk to people about this Mm -hmm. uh, those who are at positions where they are going to take life and death decisions or very important decisions for um, for an institute or for um, an organization that can impact a lot of people so yes like you said a lot of people do have this ability this uh, problem of doubting themselves yeah definitely um, and it, it starts with you know when you are when you're a beginner when you're starting at a new place and mm. uh, when you don't have a lot of experience so these thoughts are very natural so yes this is one particular advice I got from my friend where he said that yes I do have these questions in my mind and I answer them with this uh, statement that okay if you think you're not good enough then work harder that's the only thing you can do right so <laughs> yeah that's pretty much how I'm dealing with <laughs> imposter syndrome right mm-hmm. now and it also gives you a sense of humility yeah um, true. yeah I mean I'm I think it um, it, it always makes you feel that the other person definitely has something that can that you can learn so yeah I'd say that I'm trying to take it in a more optimistic way. I like that. Do you, do you think that you felt this way as you got more and more specialised in your studies? Because for me, the more I learned at university, the more I realised mm-hmm. that I didn't really know anything and that I, you know, there was so much more right. to go. Do you mm-hmm. think it's because you're so, you went so far in your education that you feel this way? Ah uh, yes, that could be definitely a point. I mean, it's. I think that it's very important to take a pause from time to time mm-hmm. and look back uh, at how far you have come. Because when we are living, like when we are going to the lab every day, working on a particular technique every day, yeah, uh, we just get so engrossed in it that we forget that how far we have come and how much have we learned. So I think it's important to take a pause and look at the big picture mm-hmm. um, and then that's how I mean it, it makes all of the experience a bit more real and a bit more positive so yeah I mean the more you specialize I think you you start uh, to lose grip on the on the foundation where you began with right. and yeah so I think it's always good to go back you know I used to pick up a lot of time I used to pick up um, the books from my undergrad from the vet school from my master's uh, time and just look up at the notes that I have made 
<laughs> just remember the subject that I have loved because in PhD you tend to get so lost yeah. at times that you forget that okay this is also a part of your subject and so yeah I mean it's always good to take a pause and go back and look at the bigger picture where you came from mm-hmm. that that thing that is something that really helps uh, on, on those difficult times yeah that's really good advice I, I like that because I know that if I looked back at some of the stuff I was looking at in first year I'd have been like Psh, this is easy why was I even worried <laughs> that's so true right <laughs> yeah Honestly, well, I can definitely say that you're one of the most calm, collected, imposter syndrome people I've ever met. <laughs> wow, that's a great compliment. <laughs> <laughs> like, I would, yeah, I, I always thought you had it together and that you were like on, on the ball and always with it. So don't even worry about it. You, you're not an imposter at all. You're uh, a great teacher. So. <laughs> so thank you so much, Kim. Of course what um so what are your future plans like i know obviously you just started this new job is this where you mm-hmm. want to stay is there anywhere else you want to go more education you know what's your future looking like uh well so right now i'm uh, working with this institute called national research center on equine mm-hmm. so um, the examination that uh, i faced to get here is it's like a common national exam again okay. and you don't get to choose um, the place where you want to work i mean it's just a government position and you right. apply with the experience that you have you face an exam and then they place you where you are needed so you don't have much choice so Right now, uh, I'm at this institute, which basically aims at achieving freedom from equine diseases through development of modern diagnostics and generating relevant technologies in equine health and production. Mm -hmm. I'd say really new to this place. I'm still getting to understand the vision and mission and mandates of this institute yeah so i i'm always uh, i'd say always a yes for me when it comes to further studies mm-hmm. um, i'm always eager to get a postdoc if i have the you know if i'm at the right place for it yeah definitely. so uh, i think for me i personally feel that whenever i opted for more education for more university experience that has always turned out to be very enriching for me so far so I, al- I ha- always have a positive outlook towards um, getting further education. So yes, postdoc is always on the list for me. Uh, this is, uh, although this is a permanent position and I can choose to stay here as long as I want. Mm-hmm. So I would also be interested in, you know, um, staying at this place and setting up a domain and uh, because I personally feel that uh, research is a time-taking process. Once, yeah. I mean, PhD and master's are, you know, just a very small part of what you do as a researcher. Mm-hmm. And they are, it, it's not actually a very, uh, you know, time-limited process. Because PhD is like, okay, you can work for a couple of years and then, yes, that you're done then. But research, you cannot define that how much time it's going no. to take. <laughs> Sometimes so, it takes yeah. so long. 
yeah i mean i, I was recently speaking to a scientist at my institute who developed a diagnostic kit in 10 years wow so i mean yeah so um i think it's always great if you pick up a field a choice that you mm. i mean a choice of subject where you want to um you know which you want to explore and which you want to work in and stick to it and uh, if you want new experience then look for experiences that aid in exploring your subject further yeah like i mean yeah if if you go for some interdisciplinary work then see that how the other subjects can help you in enriching your experience in this particular field so so that it, they take you further but if you stick to one domain i think um, you become an expert on it in a few years so my aim is to always stick to the the field of interest that i have right now that is veterinary public health and the one health approach mm-hmm. and then um explore it you know uh, step by step and keep adding to it yeah that's that's the plan right now tell me what your favorite part like what your favorite aspect of the one health principle mm-hmm. is cuz i'm obviously i love it. i think one health is great mm-hmm. Yeah, I think my favorite part of One Health is inclusion, mm-hmm. um, including all sorts of life forms. I, like, for example, the recent, most recent example that I can give is COVID, mm-hmm. and COVID teaches us that there cannot be just one region or one country or one species that can. stay healthy i mean if we want to stay healthy if we want to be disease free then we have to take care of everything around us yeah and the world and its inhabitants have to be together i mean because diseases the nature of diseases transboundary so should be our approach towards controlling them yeah. i mean they can cross boundaries easily so even if we have those you know man made conceptions of boundaries related to species related to nation mm-hmm. then i think definitely we are not going to achieve one health so for one health we need to need to you know include everyone and everything around us that's when we can be healthy together so like i said that this this is a science which also has an emotion associated with it mm. and i could accept this this concept very naturally so that's the part i love about one health the most yeah i've i've got to say i appreciate how the the concept of one health for a lot of people <laughs> points out the <laughs> fact that like you say just because mm-hmm. there's a man-made border doesn't mean that the disease isn't going to cross it it's so it, it extends the idea of your neighbor you know like it's not just right. your neighbor in your country it's your neighboring country and like mm-hmm. every yeah the whole world is included and i think that's really that's really great that's a great way to put it kim yeah that's exactly what i wanted to say <laughs> <laughs> it's all right we we clearly like the same bit and then you're coming from an animal perspective and I'm coming from a human perspective so that's clearly we were a replacement team made in heaven <laughs> i agree totally agree with you <laughs> so what's your advice like what are your main pieces of advice that you would give to someone thinking about doing a phd or thinking about doing a masters even and extending their their study right so i would say one of them is to listen to kim's podcast because there's wow. a lot of jewels in there <laughs> yeah great promotion yeah. i pay you or anything <laughs> 
so yes i mean a lot of people come on this platform and discuss their experiences so i'd say um when i started um reading tweets of people who are doing a phd and uh, following the academic twitter or mm. the pe- people who are involved in academia or doing research i found that a lot of people have a very common experience um i mean most for most people phd starts with a lot of excitement and energy mm-hmm. and then they realize that okay it's not turning out the way i would like it to but somewhere in the middle they you know they they're they tend to be resilient yeah. and then even they fail they succeed they bring out a good picture out of it some people tend to get very lucky and they they tend to get really good results out of their research and mm-hmm. they tend to like learn a lot some people uh, begin struggling with mental health issues because it's actually a stressful thing mm. so i would say that uh, question yourself a lot before starting wh- while doing the the phd or masters um i mean it's always great to question whether you are happy uh, with what you're doing and always keep an open mind uh, talk to people it helps a lot i mean because like i said when i started following and uh, read the tweets and reading about the experience of phd from different people around the world i found a lot of things that are common between the people who are doing mm. uh, who are in academia so uh, i think that it also um, i'd say that when you have a sense of common emotions between two people then it gives you a sense of relief that okay yeah. this person is also you know facing the similar situation and not just this person there's a whole lot of people who are facing the similar situations how are they coming out of it maybe this can help me as well so uh, i'd say always look out um, uh, for, for people who are with you and always tend to get uh, always get advice from people who are doing and the research in the field that you want to pursue mm. uh they read a lot of research papers and um that's that's how um you get to know that how um research is done i mean obviously reading is very different from when you like start the bench work yourself so um the important thing is always to question that do you really want this i would also say that um always keep us um a, like a safe side like for me it was that if it gets really difficult for me i'm not going to be scared of quitting phd yeah. in between so that was my my safe uh, thought that i had that okay if it's going to get you know very hard for me mm-hmm. uh, if the rough patches are going to be more than the good patches then uh, and if i feel that it my time it's not worth my time then i'm always going to you know go back and start something else so yeah Uh, you know just because you want to finish it and you're you know uh, just just for the sake of getting a thesis and getting doctor attached to your name <laughs> that's not the idea i mean that should not be the motivation right so yeah the the motivation could be um the love for your subject and um exploring more of what you are studying right now and also the ability of or, or the um the quality of resilience because yeah. that helps a lot i mean there's going to be a lot of troubleshooting involved in research sometimes your results are going to come sometimes they are not going to come and if they are not going to come you you have to like troubleshoot go back at it do it several times yeah. so i think yeah i mean those are the qualities you really need to have if you um wish to pursue research 
you can't be afraid of making mistakes because they're gonna happen yeah and not being very hard on yourself when you do mm. and I, there's not a single person there's not a single researcher whom i have not seen making a mistake so including me and from and maybe a lot of mistakes so mm. i mean that's how that's how that's the process i mean that's how you learn so um give yourself time keep yourself calm and yeah take it one day at a time when you are finally when you finally decided to be in research then yeah and take pauses in between and look at the big picture go back to your subject basics of your subject so that's pretty much what i would like to summarize <laughs> thank you so much yeah i would say keep what you love close about your subject i think that's true for all degree levels too like that's true to remember because for me i found undergraduate quite frustrating because mm-hmm. there was a lot of broad teaching and then the very mm-hmm. the very specific things that i enjoyed were just sort of brushed mm-hmm. over and i was like right. like i, I want to do this though i want to talk more about yeah. this so right. like i think patience and keeping those the things that you love close to you is yeah. important like you pointed out that you were interested in specific things and you wanted to know more about them i mm-hmm. mean that's a way to start uh, you can you know the things that you enjoyed you can think of, of a project about them and then look up the kind of work that is going on right. on the things that are interesting you and then look for mentors and look for institutes which are working on that domain so i think yes if you have this um you know inquisitive nature and if you have this um yeah, i'd say this curiosity about mm. big aspects of your field then yeah i mean that's that's the way to go <laughs> <laughs> that's good advice love that <laughs> so thank you so much for talking with me mm-hmm. i'm so glad thank that we managed you. to finally work all this stuff out and and actually talk right <laughs> and thank you so much for having me here like we yeah, discussed about the imposter syndrome before yeah. we started this <laughs> podcast i'm happy that we we are talking and um thank you kim for i'm 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 really glad that we met and i'm so happy i think it's a, it's been more than more than a year that i've come back to my yeah. country and we've still been in touch and we have still spoken about everything starting from culture shock to reverse culture shock yeah true. how we are just <laughs> yeah how we are adjusting back to our lives in our countries what are our future plans and for me i think from you i have learned a lot of fresh perspectives i think because you come from um, a different place you have your own experiences you are very young and fresh so talking to you has always been a very very good experience to me um and just be who you are kim uh, and thank you for having this wonderful collection of these talks uh, and and i heard them I, i follow your podcast and they have helped me personally and i'm sure they're going to help a lot of people in future Thank you for saying so. Well, now you're part of the collection and you're going to help other people. So, no more imposter syndrome for you. <laughs> All right. Oh, well, that's it for this week, folks. Thank you so much for listening. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.
Thanks for tuning in this week. It was really exciting to record this episode, so I hope you enjoyed it. And a huge thank you to Anuba for carving out some time in her busy schedule to speak to me. And if you have any comments or want to see updates on any of the things that are going on to do with Please Hold For, then you can go to my website, pleaseholdfor.squarespace.com, and there's a little updates button on the homepage that you can use. Uh, There's going to be comments and feedback forms on that page, so uh, hopefully in the future you'll be able to vote on things and have a bit more say in the decisions that are being made. You can also get updates on my Instagram, please hold for Insta, and that's about it. So thanks for listening, and I'll speak to you next time.